Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hattar, and with me today is Danielle Janadri. Danielle is an artist who uh, I've had the pleasure to, to meet her artwork first a few years ago at uh, one of the art fairs around the world. can't remember which one right now. Uh, and then luckily meet her, met her in Lebanon at her show at uh, the Beirut Art Center. And now we're going to talk about life, the world, and everything in between. Hello. Hello. Well, thank you. So for people who aren't familiar with your work, you are from the region, but you're also not from the region. You were kind of raised in the States and then studied in London and now teach at the American University of Beirut in Lebanon, but have galleries in Lebanon and internationally, if, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you're not mistaken. I grew up in Baltimore um, and you know, coming back and forth a lot when I was young. So we lived here for a couple of years when I was... Um, so you are Lebanese? Yeah, both my parents are Lebanese, um, and I am Lebanese, but, you know, mainly mainly uh, grew up in, in the States. And then after college, which I also did in the States in New Hampshire, I moved to Rome for a couple of years um, and then came here, actually, for a year in uh, 2005, and uh, did a fellowship at AUB, actually, at that point. And then from there, went to London to do graduate school and stayed in London for a while. Um, and then was most recently in New York. So it's been, which I think is common for many people right now, including artists, um, it's been a bit of a, of a back and forth. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, right now I'm showing, actually, I just work with a gallery here. So who's currently representing you? Because in the past, we've seen your work with... Uh, uh, with Larry Shabibi in Dubai, as well as Sharjah Biennial, and uh, re- recently here at the Beirut Art Center, but also in Sursuk. So you've been shown around in the Arab world and internationally. Are you with somebody specifically? Um, yeah, right now I'm working with Saleh Barakat Gallery in uh, Beirut, Lebanon. And, and otherwise, um, I've been doing some of, of the projects you were mentioning, including this um, project at the Beirut Art Center, um, sort of independently with curators um, there. So So I sort of like doing both kinds of works these I'll be interested I guess we'll talk about how your kind of wor- work flowed around and, and moved from, from area to area and for us to be able to experience it in, in, in the Emirates and around the Arab world but before that we'll get into the actual work alright most people kind of who know your work see it as a a surreal not necessarily whimsical but wistful um, look at, at landscape and it's mostly painting with a lot of a lot of drawing as well, and I think a little bit of video recently as well. So, give a little bit of like a uh, pencil notes on 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 kind of who uh, Danielle's work is and how that come about. Yeah. So um, yeah. So how to sum it? So I think that was a good yeah that was a good sort of image of it, and I'll <laughs> I'll kind of carry it a little bit further. I'll say that for a while. I, I guess since grad school, I have been actually very interested in working um, on the image specifically, mainly through painting. That's what I've always been drawn to. It's a medium that I I think I think through and with um, quite intuitively. Um, but actually, during grad school and just after, I worked a lot with photography um, through screen printing, which I think really um, created a shift in the painting to to now be this this practice, which I think you notice, which really does um, something quite strange with the with the light washes of color and has this has this sort of wistful nostalgic. For the audiences and maybe also for me a little bit, what is uh, the still printing? 
Screen, sorry, the screen printing. So screen printing, it's um, it's the sort of like old school way of printing the way they used to. Um, people still do it, but the way they used to make um, posters and advertisements. Um, so it was when you actually you you expose a screen, so you divide an image into CMYK into its color um, layers basically, and then expose um, screens. They used to be made out of silk. That's what it was called, silk screen. Now they're made out of a kind of um, synthetic material. Um, but you put a light-sensitive emulsion on it, you uh, expose it, essentially you make a really large stencil. That's a one-to-one representation of the photograph. And then you, through this um, sort of laborious printmaking process, you pull paint through the large stencil and it um, sort of transfers an image through its color. It builds up the image through blue. So basically this kind of multiple printing kind of layering of, of, of colors is, uh, is how you approach your painting technique. So you'd, go, you, you'd use your paintings and then kind of keep adding on things or at least make it look like it's add-on because a lot of them have this kind of strict blocky gradation in, in kind of in, uh, in windows or kind of like... Uh, uh, banners. Yeah, yeah, and I would say, I mean, I think w- what I was getting at was that screen printing during grad school, it sort of changed the way I looked at images, and so so the paintings that I've done since working that way became a way of um, considering within the painting itself, or including, let's say, the clues that showed the construction of the image. So exactly as you said, you, you sort of see these layers of color kind of on t- very thinly on top of each other. Um, and then the other thing that I often include is the frame of the image itself within the painting. So these blocks of neon on the side, or sometimes there's a very light grid that kind of comes through the painting. Um, sometimes an image ends before the end of the canvas, so you have a little bit of an edge. So all of those things, I think, came up together, let's say around 2008 is when I finished grad school. And I think for those following four years, I was working with between mediums and really trying to, for myself, deconstruct mm-hmm. images and um, and try to understand how can you relate um, that trace of an experience or of, or a view with the actual sensational experience, right? So when you experience something, there's so much more than just a vision of it, right? There's there's a whole kind of time and and movement and and atmosphere that happens. And somehow, you know, just a snapshot or a postcard or a photo didn't seem to relate that well to, to how I was thinking about place and image at that time. And so these, I'm sort of jumping ahead a little, but this, this way of kind of first really trying to get to know the image materially was where I, I kind of started um, understanding for myself also what I was interested in pushing in my painting practice. And if we wanted to go kind of, because since you mentioned, you mentioned that the, the milestone was university, and uh, what, what difference did Slate do besides give you the opportunity to experiment? Was there a teacher? Was there a certain class? And how did this all kind of happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a combination of um, the group of people I was, you know, my peers, basically, who I was studying with at the time, um, Slate was quite unique for me coming from the sort of American system in that it was very open and the graduate painting program was run by um, Bruce McLean, who's a performance artist. So even within mm-hmm. painting, it was very all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, so there wasn't this, um, actually there wasn't at all a sort of uh, kind of loyalty or sort of championing of one medium over another. It was kind of like, okay, you need to sort of figure out how to use whatever you want to use and how to use it um, to actually do what it can do f- to sort of fully. So 
it changed the way I even approached okay. making and, and had gave this idea of, okay, how do I think with, with the material and with the context and with the, the plays? I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your education just because I want to, to later on get to your teaching. Yeah. Um, so it's not just being <laughs> nosy for no reason. But did, do all your, like, at one point, do, do you think there's a certain look and feel that you have and that, that you would share with your classmates? Uh, you mean in London? Like if we all... Yeah, that's a good question. I don't... Um... Is there a certain... Because a lot of times people say, oh, they're from so-and-so school of thought or whatever it is, and people yeah. kind of kind of uh, get attracted to this because of a teacher and what something else happened. And they're, and fine, everyone has their different niches and different kind of details, but you do get, like, a, you could see them, or that they're all trained on the one yeah. person, or they all had some background. Yeah, I mean, I would, I guess I would have to say no. I think it happened much more in the in the conceptual approach. I think maybe we all shared this idea that every... Um, Thing, whether it's a space, whether it's an image, whether it's a rock, whether it's a piece of wood, becomes a site okay. uh, for explanation. It becomes actually a site in and of itself to think and move in and to propose something through. And I think that was something that Bruce really pushed. And I, and I think this sense of playfulness and the sense of sort of reapproaching, you know, from different um, different angles. I, I would that that is what I can kind of remember. And I and I did a we. A couple of us, I stayed in London for two years after I graduated, and, and we and a group of us from grad school got studios nearby, and we organized shows together. And so there were a lot of commonalities um, at that point, but I, if I'm remembering correctly, it really did have to do with this sort of relationship of the thought and the matter, really, that that, that was sort of always important that those two things happen together rather than... Um, rather than one is prioritized, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes complete sense. So. And now that you are a teacher yourself at American University of Beirut, and to be completely honest, uh, the rest of what we have, and Hinton and I had mentioned this a lot, we, in, in, the, in the Gulf, um, we suffer from proper uh, kind of art schools mm. uh, to develop, and definitely no kind of higher, higher, and art, higher, higher level education of, of art schools. Uh, but... In kind of the Levant and North Africa, you get a lot more of that. And you're now at teaching American University of Beirut, and, but this program is relatively new. I think it's not more than five years or so. I'm not 100% sure. But how, how, how do you see yourself now kind of giving or affecting or do you even sometimes feel pushy trying to impose somebody? I don't know. How does that work with art rather than fact like math or science or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's something that's definitely... Um, been really interesting actually to start teaching at the American University of Beirut um, because it's actually what it's done is really um, bring to light a lot of the um, issues around teaching art in general that I think one has wherever you're teaching um, and I think specifically here you're right it's a it's a new program I think it started again actually in 2008 but then in 2015 um, we kind of revamped the whole curriculum and so I had um, I started just in the middle of the year in 2016, but but um, at that point I was in in touch with uh, Wadid Sadiq, who also teaches there, um, and we and another um, woman, Heather O'Brien, has since started um, teaching also. So we're we're a small program, and and a lot of the the um, issues are how do you balance out the sort of technical part of teaching? So you need to teach how to use the camera, you know, dark room, how to 
paint, literally what are the supports and the materials necessary, while at the same time sort of starting to address the more conceptual issues of, okay, well, how is this medium relevant now? And then also here, here being in Beirut, um, although not the students are not all Lebanese, they're a mix, um, but sort of how could, you know, the combination of working through a medium and being aware of of their own context and their own time sort of come together so that they can actually start using art as a way of, again, I'm sort of repeating myself, but as a way of thinking, as a way of proposing things, as a way of sort of pushing back on certain, um, certain assumptions um, that I, that let's say, I'll speak specifically about painting that are, get inherited from, I think, either the, the Western canon, the tradition, or sort of from the, the hobbyists, right? So, so what, what, painting or kind of what, what making a drawing. And, and do you think your work kind of influences them at the kind of the higher classes? Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, so, so far since I've started, I have taught mainly um, sort of basic, like basic drawing, basic painting. I've taught a couple classes. I, I proposed one class, Images Origin, that I taught the second semester I was here, which was a really fun class and really did relate it, the photographic or digital image to painting. Um, and did um, sort of uh, pull in a lot of my own process. Um, I think where it really influences is more the way I teach. I mean, I th- I'm very concerned with this idea of seeing, of, of being able to see, or rather not being able to see, this kind of sort of widespread um, blindness, only because it becomes very um, confusing, I think, in this sort of oversaturated, image-filled uh, world to sort of see both your context and what's being presented to you constantly or and and differentiate between them and understand sort of where where are you in that stream literally stream of and so I think for me for these beginning classes which I actually love teaching the emphasis is really on okay how do you break down these misconceptions of of what you're looking at so you're looking at a bottle and rather than just seeing this closed shape that you know is filled in with one color and exists by itself you have to start looking at it in relation to everything around it so you start seeing not the bottle but rather the experience of you know this curve to something else a, a sort of front and back you know how it then disappears when something else comes in front of it so so sort of seeing things as they are rather than sort of as you think they should be in a kind of in a kind of generic or and then how would this affect your grading so like somebody brings you paintings in the end and of course art is you know it's really relevant of, of one person and of course you I mean you know when something is just badly done but when it comes if so if everybody has equally good technical work then aesthetically how is it, how is it fair to judge um so the grading, yeah, the grading's tough. I, I think uh, grading art, and I had a, I remember being annoyed when I was studying, actually. I think grading was always like, what, how in the world did they come up with this either number or, um, or letter? Um, so I think, you know, my strategy is to sort of actually have a few clear objectives. You know, okay. one, a third of it is really like, did you do the work and did you present it, right? So you can get a lot of points for actually just showing up and doing what you're <laughs> supposed to do. Um, and then, you know, and then it becomes... You know, the second part is really how, how well you understood mm-hmm. the exercise. Because, again, in these, in these okay. early courses, it's not so much... Open. Yeah, it's not oh, individual okay. projects yeah. that they're sort of coming up with and, and doing. 
it's much more based on okay, where you know it's a it's a problem set up so you understand something about composition or something. You yeah, know that makes a lot of sense, and I'm comparing it to because I studied design in uh, oh, yeah. American University back in the day in the '90s. So uh, there was no um, uh, there was no art school then, and we were the closest thing to art. Yeah. And I think the only thing close to art in English in in, in Lebanon. Yeah. So. Uh, I wasn't allowed to do quote-unquote art, I'd get a real job. So like, mm-hmm. like the closest thing I was designed. But in our design school, we had, we had artists like Mohamed Rawas and oh, Samir yeah. Sayer who oh, gave yeah. us yeah. painting and drawing and, yeah. um, and Helen Karam and a lot of these people. So, but we didn't stay with them long enough for them to influence our kind of artistic work. But we had our design teachers where you, you'd see some people picked up a few things. But then again, it got to a point where it was, yes, the, there was a, a certain kind of collection of milestones that we had to get to get the points so i guess in that case it's it's fair yeah as long as anyone any students hearing if your painting looks like danielle's painting it doesn't necessarily give you extra extra points you'll you'll lose points that way flattery will get you nowhere yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no and and now since we're on the topic of of your work um and we had and had mentioned earlier quickly that it was it was mostly landscapes and there's a certain color palette to it and i'm pretty sure everyone asks you about this so let's just get out of the way tell us yeah no yeah i'd love to so um yeah and i can and i'll go backwards a little bit so i think why is probably referring to a show that i have up right now in in beirut art center which i guess we'll we'll get to which are uh, actually a large series of paintings that range from 2010 to or no sorry 2014 to to now that share a kind of very um, washed out sort of monochromatic palette, but using a lot of um, light fluorescence, if that works, and kind of playing with, um, you know, small, small contrasts. Um, um, but, you know, to, to answer, I'll, I will get the landscape question out of the way. So, again, I think I'm going to go back a little bit. There was, I was always um, really drawn let's say, to landscape um, and to the idea of place. And what I was saying earlier is in grad school, I, by sort of studying another medium, it gave me this kind of way in to working with images of places because I always had this problem um, where when I was growing up, I would literally paint like en plein air landscapes. I would go outside with my easel and paint looking at the site. And, And also I think I had this thing where I would go back to the same place over and over again because there was something like... Um, a feeling that it wasn't enough anyway, even even that that being there and doing it still somehow didn't um, sort of satisfy what I was interested in. And I think through working with photography and then relating it to, to paint, it gave me an in as a way of starting to look at, um, to have the process that I constructed an image somehow parallel the the experience I had of moving through places. And so it switched a little bit rather than I was looking at a place and trying to paint it so that the landscape itself was inspiring me. It became, okay, how can my relationship of moving through a landscape or moving through places somehow become translated into, into, different, um, into a different medium? And I guess that's where the wistfulness comes in. Yeah, and I think so. I think often if I look at those early projects, I did a lot of work on Beirut while I was living in the States. Like it, There was always quite a distance between the images and the places I was really working on um, and where I physically was. Um, I think as I've kept working over these past sort of 10 years, even that has, has sort of subsided a bit, and it's it's even less kind of biographical in that sense. And I have begun to use images of places I've never been to and I've never seen, so found Google images. Um, and it's, it's become much more of a, of a very um, 
specific look into how do you create two things. How do you create um, an absorptive and a sort of almost aggressive experience through seeing a painting, right? So another way to say it is how to create a painting that sort of has agency on, on mm. the viewer um, on, on one hand. And then on the other hand, I've, I sort of um, narrowed into, rather than focusing on my experience of places, it's really been a, my experience of, of perception or, or anyone's experience of anyone, how people perceive literally the world around them. Because it does have that, and not to sound too, too naff, it, digital feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there, um, and I think I'm, I often within it, as I said earlier, there's kind of a clue that mm. it's an image, right? So yeah, when there's exactly. an edge or a grid yeah, or something. Things happening and it's always kind of developing. And it's more like a, like a, like a photo burn or when something is downloading and you get kind of bits and pieces come up. And which is why whenever I kind of saw them, I, I saw the technical dryness of, of the technique. Yeah. But which gave you a sense of missing or longing. Because as something is kept happening or going away, the image itself, the painting, is always in motion in itself. It's, yeah. it's never there flat painting the end. The story is never complete. You always have the painting fading in from the sides or kind of degrading to one corner or kind of just being chopped at one bit. And it's always like an incomplete story. It's like, the next episode and you're going to find the rest of it which is which is fun when you also have like some of the larger triptychs that you have when you see a, a painting kind of fade away like a memory does yeah. or like a place does and dies out and that's what why I'm kind of a, a big fan and so I'm going to kind of collect all my little coins and, and try to get me a piece <laughs> no. <laughs> thank you no but what you said no th- what you said really resonated because I think that is the aspect at least now I'll say in the last like couple that I'm really interested in is this: can I create an image that um, that you can't sort of consume somehow, right? That you can't get all at once. Like so, you see it and it looks like something, and then like you're saying, it it switches a little bit or it yeah. starts to kind of retreat or disappear. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of way of. I think the wistfulness, sometimes I've said like a fragile image, an image that sort of comes together and breaks down almost at the same time. And I think for me, that's become an interesting way to think about how to how to insert um, or how to think about you know, time within this very still or static medium, right? So painting, unlike film, doesn't have that component um, inherently built in. It has a relationship to time through kind of decay and through you know how how it sort of lives in in life. But it doesn't have it doesn't kind of give this opportunity for for um, these shifts to happen um, chronologically the way a, kind yeah. of a film does, and so those shifts sort of have to get translated into the language of painting, which ends up being you know different intensities or vibrations or like you're saying contrasts, so areas where something like you know kind of literally fades to a white or something is completely missing, and you're just actually seeing the the raw part of the canvas, and so you know using that language to create that that um, sense that you're seeing something happen in front of you it's not and what I'm hoping actually is that feeling that you're seeing something happen in front of you actually kind of bounces back on you and you become aware of how you're seeing and so that's kind of the idea that all of a sudden you're like oh wait my eyes are sort of adjusting or keep having to move from this side or the other or, or there's nothing to focus on in the middle I've sort of played with those different techniques I remember the first piece I saw for yours was a black and white painting with a I think it was a neon pink or neon green strip on the side, yeah. but of the same painting, but kind of colored. So you saw it through 
this kind of lenses. Um, and it was, I think, when you were with Taimur at the time, when he had his gallery in New York. Uh, and, and, and it was definitely different from a lot of the choppy and kind of harder stuff that you see. This was a very soft and because you always have this kind of out of focus feel yeah. to it as well, which actually I'm going to stop my rant and move on to the out of focus with with the bigger bigger ones that you have i mean when you're standing far it's a it's it makes sense and it's beautiful when you come up close it's kind of blobs yeah which isn't the easiest thing to paint so how do you do it cuz we've had a we i was allowed to take a couple of photos in her in her studio and i'll post it up in the in the in the, in the kind of the visual post in in, in a week or so but it's it's kind of a, a, a basic working space, so you don't have like mountains of four way to stand and kind of paint and run back and see it. How, yeah. What is the trick? Yeah, so there's, <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a trick actually. Um, so you know, the the process actually, and again, I'm speaking about the recent work. So the yeah, recent yeah. work, and and just to give a little bit of background, all of them, um, they're in a show called Slow Light at Beirut Art Center, and um, and and they actually combine you know a couple of projects but um they're all based on on painting in relation to photo, to a photograph directly like either a digital or an analog f- photograph and so you know f- and they're quite large they're like 2 by 3 meters um and the way i've been working with these is to really start with the the photograph and and sort of to literally i start by printing it a lot and printing it on like random printers, crap printers, black and white. I enlarge it a little bit. I make it smaller. I just try to get some printed physical copies of it because usually they're digital um, to start seeing it differently or to start seeing it more fully. And then from there, I I will usually draw it for a while. This isn't a totally like prescribed process, but this is just the way I've, this is the way it happened these past couple of years. I meant like the, the basic, basic thing of of up close, it's a blob, but further around, it's a shape. How do you see it and be able to paint up close? <laughs> On the thing. Yeah, that... that uh, okay, so I can answer. more difficult? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that just comes from... Um, I think it just comes from... Um, Memorizing it? <laughs> literally, yes. And I think that was... It was a long-winded answer to the question, but I think by, like, photocopying it or printing it a lot of times and then drawing it, like, a bunch of times, I start memorizing literally the marks, like, the, the little pixels if you want or the bits of the photo so that then when I go to paint there is a lot of like what you're saying I do it a lot where I stand in the studio and I like go up close and then I have to like stand back and stand there for 10 minutes and be like uh what next and then go up and be like I'm not sure this blob is working so it's a bit trial and error but it's also a sort of um yeah a kind of reading of the image that I sort of prepare for by literally reading it quote unquote which for me is looking at it and drawing it a lot and Staring. I stare a lot. (laughs) (laughs) For people who want to stare at her work, right now there is a show of um, the past few years of her work, but all within the same theme. And it's called Slow Light, and it's at Beirut Art Center, in Beirut, obviously. And it's on till October the 7th. And hopefully they might extend it for those of you kind of flying in and out. Um, But otherwise, where where can we see your work next? Apart from Salah Barakat's gallery where you show, do you have any... Resonance coming up, any group shows, any any projects? How does it do? Yeah, so I think, um, so right now, the, the most direct way to see it would be probably online, on the website. Um, and which is? Which is www.danielle. Nobody uses www anymore, just anymore. go for it. Okay, yeah. So we'll just forget it. Uh, so my name.com. <laughs> I do that, Um But yeah, no, in terms of, 
upcoming projects. I have a research leave in the spring, which I'm really excited about, um, and, a, and I'm you know, trying to line up a few different projects. So right now I have um, a fellowship in Italy at Boliasco Foundation. It's funny, I always somehow end up back in, in Italy. It seems to be a very inspiring uh, place. So what, for us, what, what, is, what, is, what does one do when they're at, at a fellowship? Yeah, so I guess you can do whatever you you want. Usually, what they do is they'll give you um, a studio space. This particular one, the Boliasco Foundation, is a um, is a residency for humanity. So I think it'll be a mix of musicians, dancers, writers, um, art historians. So I think everyone will actually be doing something different. But for the artists, they usually give you a space. Um, I proposed actually to use the time to continue this project. I mean, I think this. What I'm showing at Beirut Art Center right now um, has to do with trying to really look at the qualitative characteristic of light. So look at how light acts differently or moves at different speeds. Um, so all of it obviously affecting how you see an image or how you see the world. Um, but what I, I wanted to continue to really um, play with this idea of of reactivating photographs through this sort of slower surfaces of a painting. Um, but what I also proposed was actually to work on an artist book, so kind of create um, a printed uh, space, if you want, to think about these ideas, both through text and yeah. a bit more of the drawing, and you know, kind of to pull it together in the printed page and see how that, how that kind of affects the thinking. That's interesting, taking a, a print, or well, a photo to make it a print, and then painting it, and then not taking it into a print back. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like there's these like circles often. I think this, like, and I used to talk about it a lot before I started this project, where, where I would talk about this translation of something from one medium to the next. It somehow acquired these different, different, you know, kind I mean, of content. It, it, in yeah, the it's interesting, and it kind of, I guess, it's self-fulfilling and, and feeding. So it works yeah. out. It's going to stay, but and it'll definitely be as interesting. And uh, since we have a, a very short amount of time, um, I just want to kind of uh, wrap up with a with a question on on start. How did you how did you kind of move yourself artistically from the U.S. and London, and then all of a sudden? Uh, be be known and aware in the Arab world, and and do and do get uh, organizations like Social Museum or the Sharjah Art Foundation to kind of place your work, and then kind of groups, shows, and and, and galleries. Um, who found you? Who found me? Okay, that's good. That's you know, I think since two thousand five, when I lived in Beirut um, for a year, I had the fellowship. I think since then, I started coming, wanting to come back more. Actually, so so since then, I've been I had been coming back every summer and doing um, doing little projects um, and I think I've, I've a lot of people have been wonderful actually I think um, I think through them also then I met a whole other a group of people here and that really sort of opened up another so it's been um, yeah it's been it's sort of flowy okay, but I, guess, I guess the main thing is is because you came to Lebanon and you started interacting here that's where it started rather than somebody found you somewhere in the European winterlands and then brought you back kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think I think there was a draw. I was sort of yeah. coming back anyway, and I think the more I came right. back, um, the more I sort of, yeah, met people and sort of, I yeah. Mean, I, that's, that's great and positive, and I guess it just goes to show to a lot of kind of young artists and, and kind of emerging artists that you don't have to be somewhere out to come back. If, you, if your work is good and you concentrate on it, being in the Arab world can help you develop it and then take you further into the 
European and American and outside markets. And on that note, uh, I'd like to thank you, Danielle, for coming on the, on the show with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Wyatt. It was a pleasure, my pleasure to speak with you. And for our listeners, uh, again, we'd love for you to, to rate and comment whenever you listen to anything. And remember, you can download and listen for free uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thank you very much. You'll hear from us soon.